Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, I'm Steph and this is the Don't Buy Her Flowers podcast. And I'm coming to you from Don't Buy Flowers HQ. So just in case there's some weird noises or forklifts in the background. Uh, what a week. This is the fifth and last episode of the business mini series where I've been talking to founders from different industries. As Don't Buy Flowers is eight years old this month. It feels like I've been doing this for quite a long time, but there is always more to learn. Emma, who I spoke with earlier in the week, made the point that the phase you're in always feels tough as it's new but the things you were doing and found tough six months or even six years ago don't feel challenging in the same way anymore so you're never done you're always learning basically um, at the moment I'm hearing from people every day who are considering or have shut up shop and it was all over the news this week about made.com going into administration it's just a really difficult time and often in business I think people feel they need to pretend everything is okay understandably because you don't necessarily want to be telling your customers that it's all going tits up but I wanted to speak to my guest today because not all businesses go the distance and I thought maybe some listeners would want to hear about that and also that there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Beth Hewitt ran a shop local to me called Dolly Rock selling gorgeous clothes and building a great brand but challenges of retail and Brexit and the pandemic made it unsustainable. She talks with me about getting started and those challenges and making the decision to close which at that point meant losing something that had been a huge part of our identity for 10 years. Um, Beth has a kid at the same school as mine and we've known each other for years but I haven't had an in-depth chat with her about business. I knew that she loved Dolly Rock and worked incredibly hard for it and I can remember talking to her when she was closing and it was a really emotional time so we talk about all of that and a small interruption to let you know that this business series is sponsored by Natural Mat, an organic bed and mattress company who use exclusively natural, organic and sustainable material and make mattresses and beddings for grown-up and babies and kids all handmade in Devon. You can learn more about what they do by visiting naturalmat.co.uk or visiting their showrooms in London, the Cotswolds or Devon. And an exclusive for us, if you use the code DBHF15, you can get 15% off your first order, which is valid up until the 31st of January. Okay, so on to the episode. Here is Beth. So... I really wanted to talk to you because obviously I know that you had this most amazing shop, Dolly Rock, in St. Margaret's where we both live, and then you had to close it. We met years ago. I think I just started Don't Buy Her Flowers and I came into your shop and just saw you as this amazing businesswoman who looked like she had her shit together. And you had this amazing shop and you'd been going for a while. Yeah. So, So what was the story with Dolly Rock? And also I'd quite like to know a bit about 
before that, like what you were doing before Dolly Rock? Yeah, sure. So I'll try and summarise it as much as I can. We opened Dolly Rock in 2011. So it was kind of after the, the big crash of 2008. And it was still, I mean, we were still a bit crazy doing it. And when I say we, it's because I did have a business partner for the first year. And due to personal circumstances, she had to exit the business. So that was my first kind of pivotal point in the business, actually, was whether Mm. I continue to do it on my own or whether I kind of just jump ship so early Mm. on within a year. And because it was incredibly intimidating, I was 29 with the idea of when I opened the business and at 30, the idea of taking on the business on my own, Mm. you know, the financial pressure of that, but also the idea of, you know, kind of, I knew that we had we both had strengths in different areas and how was I going to fulfill what she was, you know, really good at and stuff. So that was quite intimidating, but I, ma- I made the decision to make the leap. And I look back, really, really grateful that I made that decision. But it was quite a pivotal point in the business. But before that, my background actually was in design. So I was, um, I did my degree at London College of Fashion in design, worked a bit in freelance design after I graduated, but was always in retail. So my first retail job was when I was, four months before my 16th birthday for Topshop, which was like the nice. place to work. And yeah. you got to wear, and you got to wear your stock as well. I mean, and that was when Topshop was cool, like really yeah. cool. So that was amazing. And I stayed at Topshop for like five years um, throughout college and everything. So that was really good for me. And um, so I'd always, always been in retail, but after doing my degree, I, I did some freelance design, but wasn't that keen on the reality of design actually in the commercial industry. And then it was, I was still in retail, working in retail management by then. And that took me to meeting my business partner. I was very, very lucky. I I came into some unexpected inheritance and I was kind of thinking, what do I do with this? And then we'd spoken before about how amazing it would be to have our own place and how it would look. And we both very like-minded on what we wanted to create. So I made the leap and it was Mm. quite a leap and it was was a bit crazy. And I think lots of people thought I was crazy. And I just got out of a really long relationship as well. So it was just, I think a lot of people thought I was having some sort of like crisis kind of thing. (laughs) So I just got out of an eight-year relationship, broken off an engagement. And yeah, I was just making loads of changes. I was just embracing a completely Mm. different path, but it was very, very exciting. And it was also, I was just, I was fired up, really, really fired up. And I think that's what you need to start. You need to really have a real passion and energy and a vision of what you want to create. Well, I remember when I met you, so I think you were a few years in, and I remember you saying you hadn't had a holiday. Oh yeah, no, I didn't take a holiday for the first five years. God. And is that something you'd do differently if you were doing it again? Yeah, I think so. Because you just burn out. You do Mm. end up burning out. And um, Mm. I don't think I realised at the time how burnt out I was. But I was very lucky that I, you know, because I was at the age I was, I didn't have any, you know, I didn't have children. I didn't have, you know, a lot of things that I needed to invest my time in. So I could put all my energy and my effort into the business. I guess when you did crash at home, you could just crash at home. You weren't, yeah. 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 I mean, and I couldn't do that now. And that's the thing is, as your lifestyle changes, your business has to be flexible with you as well. And you probably found that as well. Is it's, Mm. you know, you can't maintain that it's it's not maintainable um, I mean I was routinely working six days a week because I'd be buying as well you know you do you do reach a point where you can't continue that way and if as you said if I was to do it again I think I'd I'd allow myself because it is as it is allowing yourself to do it as well it's knowing mm. that you've got a team in place and not everything's going to fall apart like you know and even if it does worst case scenario you have a week where you know your sales drops and stuff and even though I mean, there were times that we couldn't afford that to happen. <laughs> but later on, it got, got to the point where, okay, well, you kind of knew that things might not run as smoothly or there might be certain things you have to put in place before you go, but but you can do that kind of thing. And also, I think it's 
it's being able to have a team that you can delegate to as well. And that took me a while to, to be able to form that team as well. So, you know, in those first couple of first couple of years, if you if you don't have that, then it is going to be the pressure and everything's going to be on you until you kind of build that support system. Mm. How would you describe the style of the shop? Part of your thing was you, you source brands and clothing that wasn't necessarily like a lot of it was. I'm trying to think where it was from, like a bit Scandi. Well, and yeah, a bit... we had a real mix actually. So mm. it was a lot of it was um, the Scandi brands. Yeah, but it was trying to expose brands that may might necessarily not get the mainstream exposure kind of thing. Mm. So for me, I used to always go and view a collection, and if they said that a key account, now a key account is one of the big big boys a big like what well, I shouldn't say big boy that's gender um mm. but one of the big key accounts would be a big department store and um so if a key account had it I would then be like mm, no I don't think I want it that's really um, interesting because I'm like that with brand we've got yeah. a mix of brands at DBHF but some there's always a mix of some small independence and then some big and mainstream because people do want to see something that they recognize yes. but yeah if I see something and it's in all the shops and all that it, it puts me off because I'm like well it does it's not special it doesn't give the the customer that kind of taste of something a bit different and you learn your customer you learn where they're spending what they're spending their money on what they like and and you and that's when you you can you know change what you're what you're offering basically and we need to have some brands that people are aware of and people could recognize because that's how you build people being able to trust in your mm. um, selection so you started in 2011 and you closed the shop in 2021? Is that 2020, right? 2020, no, at the end of 2020. Yeah. So what, I imagine there's a whole host of things happening yeah. in those 10 years, but what <laughs> happened? I think it was, a, it was a accumulation of things. And mm-hmm. um, and this is where it wasn't just the pandemic. The pandemic was the last thing. The straw. That, the straw, straw that broke. Yeah, that broke yeah. the camel's back, really. Because yeah. I think, you know, retail had been really struggling on a journey yeah. for quite a while, especially women's apparel. I always joked, being like, I would be fascinated if I wasn't in the industry, looking at how the industry is struggling and how it's changed. Because... There was many things that contributed to that. One of the things is, you know, discount culture. And I think for small independents, trying to keep up with that, trying to compete in any way was just near impossible. But it trained the customer to spend in a certain way. And that was what was unfortunate, was it trained people to almost not want to to resent spending, buying things at full price. Full price, yeah. Um, and that really, that's a really tough one because we haven't got the margins to be able to discount all our stock. And I think that's where as well people don't, fully understand maybe how a small retail operation works compared to a key account kind of thing and, well, and the why they're delivery, able to actually offer. yeah like free delivery which is not really free it's, it's accounted for somewhere but once people are used to that then they're expecting it so yeah. they'll it'll yeah. be like well your delivery is very expensive it's like we don't make any money in fact we lose a bit of money on delivery yeah because we want to keep it low because we know people don't like that cost but the the big retailers have trained your customer to believe in it yeah yeah yeah. and it is it's from years and years of the customer's expectation being changed of what they what is the norm what should be expected and that's where we were really up against uh, already quite a fight I think and I saw that change in customers behavior and especially when we had the website online there's even more discounting and it became a bit ridiculous even to the fact of like Black Friday became discounting at the beginning of October you know, the summer sales were starting in June. And then there was flash discounting constantly. And when you have the same products 
as what somebody else has and they're offering 30% off. I don't blame them for going for the best price point. And it's very hard for people to make that decision to to continue to support you when someone else is offering it at a cheaper price. Um, and mm. we'd, we'd get people even asking us to price match. And I'd be a bit like, I can't price match with, let's say, offices 20% discount this weekend because I've only just received this stock. And I, you know, and it's it's hard to explain that to people. But the structure of a small business is very different to the fact that we don't get discounts from the brands themselves for quantities or anything like that, you know, whereas the big key accounts do. So they're paying less for that product. So, yeah. and then Brexit really affected our customer spending because I think, again, uncertainty around how the market might react to things, uncertainty around jobs, uncertainty around people's careers, everything. I can see a correlation between when the news are having a massive shout about food banks and like all the disaster things that are going on you can see it so and then so like in June May June suddenly there was a lot of talk about um economic crisis then they went quiet over the summer and which actually means that your customers come back a bit yeah so you can see it and and it's like again it's really irresponsible because some of the time the fuss is a fuss rather than actual news yes and then that's having a massive impact. So it's kind of this self-perpetuating mess. And I think it depends on your demographic as well, right? Mm, so yeah. for us, it's kind of, and we're probably targeting similar customers. It's the demographic that your um, that your customer is that is affected by these things often as well. So, mm. you know, I was fully aware we were, we were a luxury product um, yeah, by yeah. necessity in any way, you know, and, and our price point was, you know, mid to high range. So we were when people were treating themselves. So when people are tightening, their spending we mm. are the f- you know you're one of the first things you do is actually i'm not going to buy that i'm not going to treat myself to that cashmere jumper mm. um which is understandable but it, it just meant that with brexit was just a long-winded process that meant that that uncertainty created a drop in spending for the, for that period of time so and then the pandemic hit and then and what did you do so i know you were when you could open you were open yes. and had you had to get rid of a load of your team I did, I furloughed my team. Yeah, um, yeah. I furloughed my team first straight away, and so then that was the fun journey of just me trying to to do online. I've got some of the most so funny pictures of my son on top of like seven massive boxes in my hallway because I had to get all my stock delivery to mm. the house instead of the shop because I couldn't be in the shop all the time. So it was just things like that. And then I, and I was trying to get product online as quick as I could as well, but also try and promote online. And because I furloughed my team, they couldn't work for me in any capacity. Online shopping and clothing did pick up. It did, yeah. But then it probably would, again, you're then back to competing with the brands who can offer the massive discounts. It was also, we were then stuck in the situation where we didn't have the stock that people wanted. And again, this goes back to the fact that when you're a small business we we work on a basis where I'm buying seven months prior to when it hits our shop floor Mm. so it was just it couldn't have been at a worse timing because we had just received all our season Mm. stock so I'm sitting on and I don't mind saying I'm sitting on 50,000 pounds worth of stock um, that had just arrived in store and I've just my main means of filling that stock had just been taken away from me yeah. So yeah. my books and water store had just been shut. I'm sitting on that stock with only the website to try and sell it through. And my competitors are already discounting that stock. And, and some of it is in transit and they're already discounting it. by. And they're already so. set up, right? They're already all yeah. set up for online, whereas you were trying exactly. to do it. New- and they'd already negotiated their discounts with their brands. I mean, the other thing is as well, is I'm straight on the face. As soon as I we start hearing about this, we're reacting. 
Um, and I was, I was reacting I was straight away. I'm talking to my brands about, okay, how can we work together on this? Like, you know, what can we do? And they can't afford me to suddenly not take my orders. Contractually, I'm legally obliged to take mm. those orders in. Mm. And this is where you really have to invest in your relationships with people <laughs> because I'm, I luckily had very good relationships with people. So I'm able to kind of just be like, how can we work together on this? But a lot of the, a lot of the key accounts were able to basically, because of their power, they were able to say, I'm not taking the stock. Yeah. And we were never able to do that. But also, would I want to do that? Would I want to put my my brands in that position? I worked with a lot mm. of small brands and those brands weren't going to survive if I then turned around and said that. Because we were so busy, we were picking up orders that had been cancelled, if that Fantastic. makes sense. So, so, where taking, we were, yeah. so actually, I think that helped our relationship with a lot of these brands who were suddenly having stuff cancelled. And then we'd be like, we'll take it. And Brilliant. so, yeah. yeah. And your team were furloughed, but were you still, yeah. was, did you still have to pay rent? Yes. And that was one of the things that was really disappointing was how our landlady responded to it all as well. I was very grateful for the support that we got from the government initially and on the, you know, the initially on the uh, first lockdown. Um, and it was amazing that I could furlough my team. I was so mm-hmm. grateful for that. Um, but um, was, well, that just was would have been another layer for you to have to cope exactly. with, wouldn't it? Like the guilt yeah. and the stress of, yeah. of yeah. my team who I care about. I yeah. also now have just got rid of and it wouldn't have been your fault in any way. But I guess furlough for lots of people took away that guilt because you knew they were OK. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, but the landlady didn't cooperate in any type of anything throughout discounting or anything. She was she was actually the, the opposite, which was really disappointing because to me, I kind of found that most people were approaching it as, okay, everyone's in the same boat. Let's mm. all try and keep each other afloat kind mm. of thing. But it's a huge overhead, a huge overhead that we had to still cover. Mm. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. At what point did you, in that run-up to the end of 2020, were you like, I can't do this anymore? Like, what it was, was going into autumn-winter. And it was, it was the end of, cause when we reopened, there was a, I was so excited to reopen. And I was, mm. I remember being teary that first mm. day being like, I am so excited to reopen. But then we realized that people, the initial excitement just wasn't maintained. So people kind of came back in, they were spending, we, we went into sale. Um, and that was, we had a good response to that. And then it was people just kind of spending, just kind of didn't maintain, it didn't maintain at that level. Um, and I think people wanted to support us. And that was what was so hard was when I announced that I was closing, people felt really bad that they hadn't, you know, I had loads of people being like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I wish I'd been able to spend, but you know, I've lost my job or this, this, da, da, da. Mm. and I was like, mm. I, I, I never was resentful to people not being able to support us more. It was just the fact that people couldn't and they didn't. Um, and it was just spending, just spending changed. And, and we were still sitting on a lot of stock. And the idea of taking an autumn winter, when I looked at my autumn winter buy that, again, had already been, I completed my autumn winter buy in January, um, December and January. So um, I was able to change that a little bit. And I was able to make some adjustments. Um, but I couldn't, I was still obliged to take on quite a lot. And when I looked at that, I just thought, how on earth are we going to get through this? And I was faced with that prospect of if we try, we could fail in a way that I could actually go into administration. And, so, uh, what, and as in, and you wouldn't be able to pay people exactly. and you wouldn't be able yeah. to, yeah. Then I'd be looking at the fact that my staff wouldn't get anything. And I, I had members of staff that had been with me for you know, six, seven years. And, and I cared about every single one of them. And, mm. and I'd already had to make a redundancy at that point. And, and so I knew how horrific that was. But knowing that I could, I might have to close my doors and they wouldn't be compensated for anything. And that I'd, I'd leave owing my brand a lot, of, a lot of money. That weighed heavily on, on my decision because mm. I then had to make the decision, well, do I do it? Do I take the risk and do it that way? Or do I do it my way? How did it feel? How did you feel? I, I, I cried a lot there were a lot mm. of tears at that point I was a single mother I was kind of I had and I, I was kind of weighing up a lot of things and I was just like I, I had to have an honest conversation with my sister I remember my twin sister who was just like you can't risk everything financially yourself to keep it and I know you want to it's not that you don't want to and I know this is going to be hard for you to do but you've got to think about the fact that if this gets any harder and this is me without knowing we were going to go into another lockdown at Christmas 
Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, she was just like, there's no guarantees of the recovery coming and you're putting your whole, you know, your whole, your financial stability on the line and you've got a dependent, basically. And, and it did. It took harsh conversations like that for me mm. to be a bit like, okay, you know, it, the only other option would be to somehow try and do it in some way of, of my own way and be and try and make it as positive as I could. So it's almost taking control rather than it being too... I suppose, especially if you had such a kind of tricky period that previous year where you have you've lost control, like you couldn't you couldn't have control over decisions being made in government and all that other stuff. I know there will be people listening where you there's loads of people who are having to quit and having to say, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm on various WhatsApp groups with um, other small businesses or you know I follow lots of people on Instagram and you just keep seeing it people going that's it I'm gonna have to shut up shop and I feel like one of the reasons I want to talk to you is because you're down the line by nearly a couple of I years know. I'm kind of on the other side hopefully there's some positive to that because I suppose Definitely. did you feel relief was there I did yeah because I was doing it my way I felt like I was doing it the right way um, mm. and I'm not saying that everyone would be in the circumstance that you have the time to do that and I, that's not me knocking people that do go into administration because they've given it their best shot and it still mm-hmm. worked out that way. Because there's going to be plenty of people who that is the scenario for them. That's not their wrongdoing. That's just and, because the way the cookie has crumbled. But well, I think with business as well, it can change so quickly. So like quickly. We, we yeah. especially when you talk about fifty grand's worth of stock, like that can tip you over yeah. if you suddenly can't sell that stock. Like we we've definitely having to manage cash flow and stock at a time when it there's the predictability is totally gone from yeah. retail because of the last couple of years and we don't know what's going to happen next that is making it very hard so it's not always people's fault well it's not people's fault often it's like you're having to take punts on what you think yeah and no one has a crystal ball none no. of us have a crystal ball no. like it'd be amazing if we did but we're all trying to base our choices and our decisions on um, the information we've got to hand at that moment. But mm. as you said, everything can change and you can you can adapt to that as best you can, but sometimes you can't adapt. Sometimes mm. you just, you're just stuck and you can't adapt. And I think that was where we were at with our stock was I had, and that's why I started doing things like um, Dress Up Friday online where I was doing this campaign where I would wear a very dressy outfit on a Friday and there were loads of people that kind of got in on that. And that was great because that speared some kind of excitement around people, you know, buying things because they wanted to make themselves happy and they wanted to, you know, buy something lovely for the sake of it kind of thing. And things like that really helped just to show some interest and to get some interest, but they weren't resulting in huge amounts of sales or anything every Friday kind of thing. But I think moving forward, when I decided to close on on my own terms, I decided to do it in, try and do it in a fun way and try and give back to my customers who had supported me so much by doing an amazing closing down sale and and letting my staff know that they were going to get redundancy packages, that I was going to try my very, very best to make them as generous as I could. And I was going to give them plenty of notice to be able to hopefully then find something else. And that was the best I could do. And I was able to have those conversations with my brands and say, we can't continue. Instead of taking the risk, I've made the decision, which I hope you'll support to cancel out autumn winter, which meant that they were losing. They, a lot of them contractually could hold me to my contract. Some of them did, but it was very few of them that did. Some of them, I had to take some sort of financial penalty for it, which I, you know, I, I kind of saw coming. But most of them actually kind of respected my decision to try and do it in this way so that I didn't owe them money. 
And that um, immediately afterwards, that feeling, how, how did you feel when you're kind of walking around and obviously you live local to where you work yeah. and you, prior to that, you had been full on for 10 plus years with this business. What was that like? I think one of the hardest things was actually having those initial conversations with people. It was almost like telling people that you about a breakup when you're a teenager kind of thing when you're like mm. and you try not to hold back the tears when you're kind of a bit like we're not together anymore you know yeah. kind of, and I was just a bit and I remember I did I, I cried I cried quite a few times I cried on the shop floor um a yeah. few times um and then the 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 fluorescent neon signage went on the other window saying closing down sale and that was that was when it really really hit me and it still makes me a bit emotional now because I, I just remember the the being brokenhearted actually and just being like this is it's such a shame but I did know deep down it's the right decision and knowing now what I know in terms of we would never have made it through that Christmas so final question is someone is looking at their business and going I don't know if I can work this anymore or they can see the writings on the wall what would you say to them I'd say definitely talk to people around you because at first I think I was I was kind of taking it all on myself and not discussing it with with my friends or family even you know not you can discuss it with professionals but also try and discuss it with the people around you and so that they can give you their thoughts on things as well but also weigh up your lifestyle how your lifestyle be and weigh up what potentially could be in the future because even though it can be heartbreaking it can open new doors and you know there, there really is this thing about trying to stay optimistic um the minute I turned that corner even though I had moments of being sad and being upset about it the energy that I wanted to put into my closing down sale and trying to make it positive can stay with the energy that you want to kind of move forward with park the hurt and the upset um, mm. because you will feel that you're going to feel that I still mourn my business I think a little bit because I walk past it every day and I'm glad mm. it's taken on a new life and I'm glad someone else is is in the space but I still mourn what I had I still have people when I talk to them and they say oh we really miss Solly Rock and I do I, I genuinely really really miss it mm. but I'm it doesn't mean that there's there's not something else that will be as fulfilling yeah 100% it's not uh I think it's well it's that the messaging that is coming out more about when something ends that doesn't necessarily mean failure because exactly. you've got so much experience well, I, had to, I had to seek therapy to make sure that I didn't didn't see it as a massive failure yeah um because I know I know myself and I know that my the business like so many founders your business becomes almost your identity mm-hmm. and I think that's where there's that that little bit of a line where you can take that failure and it also you, you then become lost being like well who am I if I'm not if I'm not Beth from Dolly Rock if I'm not the business owner if I'm not all those things that you that I used to be proud of you know I was a proud of my achievements and mm. and then seeing that kind of not having that anymore I was like well who am I now like am I can I still hold my head up high and all that you know all those things and of course you can and of course you're more than what your business is but mm. you ha- that is a journey as well of coming to the point where you know you're able to Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In what's next and what could be next, and the possible, and be excited about the possibility of what's next. Just in case there's anyone listening that kind of knows of Dolly Rock, is now I am doing personal styling, personal shopping. Um, mm. So it's um, yeah, because that's one of the things that I loved about Dolly Rock was getting to work with people on a one-to-one basis and helping them kind of build their confidence around what they wear. Um, so I'm on maternity leave at the moment, but soon enough I will be kind of back out there but I have got a website and everything um promoting that business and um and I I love still working with the community perfect thank you so much Beth no worries massive thanks to Beth and masses of luck to her for her personal styling business which she is just getting back into after maternity leave and I've put a link in the notes to that also thanks to Natural Mat for sponsoring this series and don't forget they are offering 15% off their organic bedding and mattresses with the code DBHF15. So head to naturalmat.co.uk for more information. And that is the last episode in this business series. Personally, I found it reassuring to hear from other founders about the variety of challenges they've faced and also the lessons learned. It can be quite a lonely role um, founding a business and having connections with people that get it has come across as really important from everybody. And thank you so much for listening. Please do rate and review. And if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll get a notification when we're back with our next series. And lastly, if you're in the market for thoughtful gifts for your friends and family, corporate gifts for in the workplace, please get in touch with me. We would love to help. The website is don'tbuyherflowers.com. There's a contact form there or message me on social media and um, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much and take care. Take care.